Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Warning, this podcast contains paranormal, conspiracy, and true crime cases. The nature of these cases may be gory, unsettling, or vulgar. Please be advised. Hello, and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan, and this is episode uh, 63. 63. Can we get a hoo Everybody's like, no, we cannot give you an ooh-ooh. We're yeah, tired no. of you saying yeah, that shit. Yeah, we don't need the freaking episode number. I know you guys see it, but it's just, it's also like for us. Yeah. Mainly. It is for us. It really is. We told them that before. Oh, I yeah, think. we have. We have. Um, We are pre-recording this episode a week ahead of time. A week ahead of time. We had just literally recorded two other episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last two days. So we are a little drained, but we're going to give you all that we've got. Um, Taylor has some fun and exciting plans this weekend. So oh, why don't yeah. you tell them? So I'm going literally right after we record this. I'm hopping in my car and I'm driving down to Columbus, Georgia. Ooh. And then I'm going to pick up Arletta and Arletta, which I haven't seen since May. Yeah. So I'm so excited to see her. And then we're going to head over to Tybee Island. So beautiful there. Oh, I'm so excited. I've never been. I've oh only ever been gosh. to Hilton. I, I need to give you the route that I took so that you could go past that crazy <gasps> town in, yes, um, the, uh, I forget what it was called. God, where you went to the bar and the girls were in the bathroom. Yeah. And we, we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, we did. Come. Okay, yeah, I need to give you yeah, wherever that you is. You have to tell me because I have to drive by it now. Okay. I wonder if I'm going to be passing by the Georgia Guidestones. Oh. I wonder. Let me let me Google that. I don't know, but that's right up you and Arletta's alley. Yeah. So that might be a little <laughs> pit stop. We literally detour. might not go to Tybee Island. Oh, <laughs> yeah, guys. I wish I was going. I I'm really sad, but I have two freaking finals on Monday and Tuesday or Monday and Wednesday of next week. And I'm going to be studying my She's ass off because good. guess who hasn't started studying yet? This girl. All we've been doing is studying conspiracies and paranormals and true crimes. All we've really been doing is studying OJ Simpson and the Kardashians. And literally. That's it. Literally. Um, but yeah, so I'm not going to be going, but I, I wish know. I was. Arletta, mm-hmm. when you're listening to this, when Taylor makes you listen to this. Yes. Oh, wait, no, it won't be out by this weekend. No, she'll listen to it because she'll be flying home. To go visit her family. Okay, Arletta, when you're listening to this, I I wish I could come. Yes, and we wish Morgan could have came, but Morgan and her studying, you can't get in between because it won't happen. Yeah, no, Taylor calls me last night and she goes, I have a crazy idea. I know you're probably going to shut me down, but, and I know you have to study this weekend, but maybe if you just want to like not study and say like, fuck your finals, (laughs) like here's what I'm doing. I'm going to Columbus, Georgia, and then I'm going to Tybee Island with Arletta. Do you want to come? 
I was literally like, did you seriously just ask me that? Because you know I will drop everything that I'm freaking doing to go. I do it every single – well, this is – I haven't taken a class in a while. But when I was in college, I did every single semester. If a better plan came up for finals, I was like, yep. That's it. I'll be there. I had a final one day, a one one year, and it was on Monday morning at 8 a.m. And Noodle drug me to um, – Beale Street. Beale Street Music Festival. And Cardi B came on at Sunday night and she was supposed to start at eight, right? And she didn't get, Cardi B showed up late. She didn't get there until like 10 30, 11. So we didn't leave Memphis until like one in the morning, which is t- two in the morning, Knoxville right. time. I pulled into our apartment at 7 a.m. and had to go get a final. Go that do a final was an hour later. Outrageous. And you know what I got on that final? Maybe like a 43%. Maybe. I didn't do too hot on it, but it was like, it I was don't worth even, it. It was That's like sport. It was like sports psychology or something. Like yeah. it wasn't that big of a, a, a deal. And I had like an A in the class anyway. No, no. I'm, I'm convinced like college is made for those moments. Yeah. You know, like yeah, the moments so, where you pull in an hour before. So if I really didn't need to get an A in this class, I probably would have. Yeah. You ditched and went, and I'd be in Georgia. Or- yes. She, but this is one of the classes that she went back for. So she can't fuck this up. Yeah, I went back for it. And yeah. It cost me a couple grand. So it's not worth going and paying for it one more time. No. No, not no. at all. At all. So um, I do have a question before we get into our Ooh, thing. Yeah, I love Because questions. yesterday I was, um, so are you a, what's your favorite fruit? Let me ask you. My that. favorite fruit? Fruit, yeah. Oh, Probably watermelon, oh, actually. Oh, my God. I love watermelon. Like, I can devour an entire watermelon by myself. Yes, yeah, she can. I have been there, have witnessed yeah. it. Can confirm. So what is your favorite, like, of an apple, an orange, and a banana? Like, the three basics. Apple, orange, banana. I eat bananas more, but I always love a good orange. Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. She thinly... Okay. I changed Taylor's world. She a couple changed years ago. my world. Like I, whenever I eat oranges now, I have to be like, "Hey, Morgan, can you tell me how you cut it again?" <laughs> like she like thinly slices these, and I mean, it's just so good. I don't know, but and it's like a big smile. On it's your face. so. It's delicious. not like the wedges that yeah. you used to get, or like where it's like thick and you have to like eat the skin yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, it's like very thin. Like goes in. A- so I would say oranges out of the th- like my favorite, but right. I, I do eat bananas more because they're just more accessible. Right. So oranges are my favorite too, but we always have bananas in the house because Logan fucking loves bananas mm-hmm. and we always have like tons of bananas. But if I get oranges, I'm really the, me and you are really the only ones that eat them. And then yeah. half the time I forget that they're even here. Yeah. So I, but growing up, my favorite, favorite, favorite fruit that I never really got a lot because no one else in my family liked them. Well, are you going to say kiwi? No. Oh. Pears. Oh, I, I love pears. I too. love pears. And I choose, I would choose a pear over an apple any day. Absolutely. Like, I like apples. You should see how I cut pears. Oh. I, just, I don't bite them like an apple. Well, I bite them like a drumstick and then, or I slice them like a, like with I'll carry around a knife while I'm eating it and slice it for everybody because it just makes it taste better. Yeah, I do that. Too. Yeah, that's just how it tastes better. I think that's because my grandpa did that. But um, anyways, I love pears. And every time I go to Fresh Market, they always have like three different types of pears. So they have the brown pears, the green big pears and the green little pears that look more like the shape of the brown pears. OK. And I got the big green ones last time which I forgot that one's my specific favorite pair like that one is specifically my favorite normally I get the brown ones because that's what my grandpa used to get me mm-hmm. so I love pears okay and as I'm eating the pear 
I'm just sitting there and I'm eating it. I'm like, you know, I, I get you don't understand this taste, but like I love apples with banana. I mean, bananas. Peanut apples butter. with peanut butter. Love apples with peanut butter. So I was like, I wonder if a pear is good with peanut butter. Oh my God, it was delicious. It was absolutely amazing. I think the other than the taste, the main reason I like a pear better than an apple is because the texture is a little bit more loose. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it's softer. Yeah, it's way softer and yeah. it's easier on your mouth when you're eating it. So I'm sitting here eating this and then I'm like, Dude, are pears and apples just the same and a little different? The same, but different. Like literally. And I I cut into the core of it because I was like, now I have to see what the pear seeds look like. They look just like apple seeds. Wow. And I so I call Logan. I'm like, Logan, listen, are pears and apples the same? (laughs) <laughs> and he's like what are you i'm on the phone with a customer i gotta go yeah like and, i don't have time for yeah this. and i'm like no so i like i just i i've never thought of that until last night and it's literally been on my mind like all day i mean they've got to be the same family they have to be this they okay first off like the shape the skin and no, they're both trees right and they have like similar right? colors there's a tree yeah. pear tree yeah and then they both make awesome juice like gerber pear juice mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 one billion out of ten. Yeah. So delicious. But anyways, I'm just I can't stop thinking about this. So if anybody uh knows that answer to that question, are they the same, but just like are they from the same area? Like yeah. or are pears just apples that grew in different areas because of climate change and that's what make not climate change, but like difference in climate. Yeah. And that's what makes them softer but still like the same texture as an apple. Maybe we should grow them ourselves out back oh my god i want to i want a pear and a lemon tree like that's what i want but i live maybe in Tennessee. we should be going to who sells those like lowe's no they don't sell that i don't we, i don't think it would survive here like i mean really? unless we got like a genetically modified one like oh my boss she one time oh, i yeah. pulled up and there's like <laughs> to me if you're listening to this she'll listen to it in a year from now yeah you'll hear it from <laughs> a year from now um i pulled up to her house one time and there was like i i she you know i like eight different fruit trees oh my god but just still on the driveway like they weren't planted yet and i'm like what are you what are you doing over what's here are you on? building an, an orchard <laughs> or uh, what's it called orchard 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 oh my god orchard oh, oh my god orchard <laughs> it's like and she was like nine in the morning she was like yeah i'm gonna plant them i don't know if they'll survive but could be fun and i'm like okay I, and i've never seen any fruit for them so i don't know if they've survived or not but I kn- okay. She had like like every single type of fruit tree that you could imagine. She had it, and it was already like pretty big, right? Yeah. So I think I need to do that. Yeah, is what I'm hearing. I need a greenhouse. Yeah. Oh, I do want a greenhouse. Yeah, in my that'd house. be nice. But then I would be like, I hate this because my tomato plant out there can just burn in hell because <laughs> I can't, I can't take care of it. It grows so fast. Yeah. It literally, and now it's completely dead because it's cold and there's leaves all over the mm-hmm. m- the mulch in there. You know who's an expert on gardening? Who? My dad. Oh, okay. Let me call Bucky. My dad has my dad like rototills, probably not the right word, whatever. Um, we have t- a ten acre yard, right. and he covers probably i swear it's like an acre of a freaking garden it is so big he's really like cut it down recently in recent years but it is so freaking big and he it is his prized possession and he'll like hang up fence around it and if oh my the god deers get into it no he'll say i i should no i'm not saying that oh i know what he did but he's like, a hunter he's a hunter he's a hunter he gets so pissed off like he would leave like the owls like you know to scare yes. the deer away 
And he'd be looking up in the middle of the night and be like, those damn deer in my garden. He'd go running out screaming like he was so. And then he gets so pissed. He's like, well, they ate every damn thing. Like, I can't even I can't even <laughs> harvest anything. And I'm like, you're not a farmer. OK, we're not harvesting anything. Harvest Grab a couple of cucumbers and some corn and call it a day. <laughs> but yeah, he loves growing stuff. We used to have this beautiful strawberry like garden like oh. right in the back of our house mm. and i just remember we haven't had it in so long but i remember when we were kids we would all every like day in the summer we would go down and grab a couple of strawberries while we were playing outside to, just to eat and you know it's like refreshing we didn't wash them either no we were just cares? like what? it's grown in your own yard you, yeah. you you basically grew from that yard like yeah so who cares no i did read this thing it was about like um when when you have kids or it specifically I read it about this woman who had these kids and they were like super, super healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's because she has a garden for each of her children. And each day the kids go stand barefoot, 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 barefoot. in their garden. And there's something like they're it basically like the plants grow for that child yeah. and like help them fight off things and these kids are like super super healthy or something wow but yeah i've heard about that and i was like oh i'm gonna do that and then i that's when i got my garden that yeah really i, for I your, got for your kids uh yeah my aren't kids. here and i um <laughs> for the kids and i had lettuce and tomatoes and strawberries and i actually had got only three strawberries but that was better than none and i had yeah. a ton of strawberries are really hard to grow they're so hard and tomatoes i grew tons and tons and tons of tomatoes we ate I didn't buy tomatoes all summer. Yeah, like, that's so nice. That was though. so nice. And then we had lettuce and we use our lettuce for like burgers and salads and stuff. And it was delicious. But and your I tacos and my tacos. Oh, you remember my lettuce tacos I yeah. made? Yeah, I always try to make them and they're just never the same. Oh, they're good. Nothing that I try to remake that Taylor's cooked is ever the same. She should have went to culinary school. Actually. That's why I told Logan the other day. I was like, you know what? Well, first a few weeks ago, I was like, I like, would I you go- really want to work as a chef? No, no. But you could open up your own little like. Right. Well, we're gonna open up Creeps and Crimes Coffee Chip yeah. Hooker whenever you hear this. Just let yeah, us Dan. know when a Write good time down. is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we could. You could be cooking up like great panini. Yeah. And, like <laughs> she's obsessed bomb. with panini. We could have the best BLTs in <gasps> Knoxville. No, because we have perfected the BLT. Like we could sell the best. Like, everyone would come for our BLT. Guys, a year ago, me and all of my friends, like me and Morgan and all of our friends, got addicted to BLTs, and we have not. Like, we have not gone to rehab for this addiction. And so anytime (laughs) I'm somewhere, and I I could be at the nicest restaurant in the world. Like, we try to find the best BLT. Yes, and and we'll all, like, text each other, I found the one. Yeah, I found the one. this is the best BLT ever. Ever. And it's always at, like, the shittiest diner that you get the best BLT. Because it's, like, good. Like, we went through probably a month's worth of eating BLTs every day for lunch. Every day. And Taylor would just be whipping it up in the kitchen. She's like, BLTs are ready. It's like breakfast. Me and Noodle be running over. So excited for our damn... We did. We ate them for breakfast. Breakfast. It was sickening. It was so funny. And then on my bachelorette party, I mean, we went like 15 different places to go eat and i got a blt everywhere yeah, we went. that little diner next to our airbnb oh I had a BLT my god there. that was so that was good banging. that coffee shop was good too and they had bussin, great bussin. mimosas yes uh okay all right it's been 14 minutes they oh, hate us sorry guys uh we i just get to know us better every time yeah. learn something new every day all right uh let's get started hit them with it if you're driving throw that shit on cruise control if you got a glass pour that shit up and let's get creepy Okay.
Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? All right. I am so excited to tell this story. I think it's going to be a lot of fun and we're going to be able to make a lot of jokes with it. Yes. Um, But before I start, um, just so you guys know, Taylor and I are both kind of doing like little mini yeah, little mini stories, smaller We're, stories than we normally do. Yeah, a l- smaller stories. So don't be surprised if this episode's like forty minutes long. Um, anyway, we are gonna call my segment "Aliens in Kentucky." So my Ooh. sources are allthat'sinteresting.com, Wikipedia.org, theWashingtonPost.com, and then the Kentucky New Era newspaper from 1955. Ooh. And I got that from news.google.com. So my story starts on August 21st, 1955 in a small and rural town in Kentucky called Kelly, with population now of only 300 people. So back then, I would say maybe 100 people max. Maybe. Um, Kelly is very much a farm-filled land. They have barns and livestock all over. It's located in western Kentucky, and it lines the nearby town of Hopkinsville, the local police station at Hopkinsville, you know, they never receive much action. It's usually a very calm day, a couple of casual reports, you know, like there's nothing crazy that actually I don't think any police department would be ready for what happened to them that night. Oh, God. Things took a very hard turn at the police department when eight people came running inside at 11 p.m. in a state of panic. Oh, God. It was 11 o'clock and they were shouting, We need help. We've been fighting them for nearly four hours. Oh, God. The police are like, I'm sorry. Who have you been fighting? And the group is like gasping out of breath. And they yell, the little silver men. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to back up. Um, Earlier that day, a man named Billy Taylor and his wife, June, who were like carnies, they were carnival workers, they decided to visit their friends, um, the Sutton family, while they were in the area of Kelly. The Sutton family, who lived in a farmhouse in Kelly, Kentucky, consisted of mother, Glennie Lankford, her children, Lonnie, Charlton, and Mary, and then two of her other children from previous marriages, Lucky and John. Oh, that's a cute name, Lucky. Yeah. I think it was his nickname. Um, Lucky and John were both married and their wives lived at the farmhouse as well. So in total, there were eight people who took up residence there. Dear God. Which I guess is a normal thing in the 55. Yeah, probably. Around evening time, visitor Billy Taylor went outside to the well to collect some water. And this is when he saw something streaking across the sky. It was a silvery object real bright he said that exhausted all the colors of the rainbow Mm. billy panicked and took off running towards the farmhouse once inside and out of breath he began to tell his wife and the sutton family about what he just saw that he just saw a ufo (gasps) he told them there was never an explosion only like a hissing noise and then the object landed somewhere in the field behind the farmhouse but there was a tree line that took away the visibility got it everyone was laughing you know saying like oh you're spending too much time at the carnival you're seeing (laughs) bright lights in the sky rainbow lights everywhere and no one was taking him seriously and that was until the dogs began to bark oh shit and that's when they knew oh shit someone or something was outside of the house after looking outside Those at the farmhouse saw something they never thought they'd see in their lifetime and would later be described 
as an alien invader with round, sorry, numerous alien invaders with round oversized heads and long arms that had talons that almost touched the ground. They were glowing in the dark like they were made of some type of silver aluminous metal and surrounding their house was about 15 pairs of glowing yellow eyes. Oh my God. And they were moving closer. No. They weren't about to go down without a fight though. So those at the farmhouse grabbed every single gun in the vicinity. When one creature popped its head up against the window, they opened fire. (gasps) In an all-out farmhouse war between these people and these alleged aliens happened. Oh, God. For about three hours. They said that the aliens would come close to them and then retreat back. And then if they shot at them, the aliens would jump up into the trees, like doing backflips. Oh, my God. Just flipping around everywhere. Parkour, parkour. Parkour. (laughs) Eventually, some of the men went outside to get a better shot. And that's when an alien came and yanked on Billy Taylor's hair. (gasps) No. Crazy. Finally, not on his mullet. Not on the mullet, <laughs> if he had one. Finally, it one, once it got quiet after a long, literal battle, several people piled into the car and they fled into town to then beg police for help, which is where we were in our story. <laughs> the police, after hearing this, were baffled because it sounded terrifying. And you know what? Aliens are not... These eight people had just claimed to have a shootout at their farmhouse. So police, including then police chief Russell Greenwell, were worried that, well, whatever they shot at, like they're shooting at something. So maybe it was people. So they were like, we need to get out there. So they rounded up a big group and they had the police headed out to the Sutton Sutton farmhouse. When police arrived... There was no evidence of, quote, little silver men, but there were tons of evidence of gunfire and bullet holes through windows and screens. Oh, my God. So while they don't doubt that they were shooting at something, they weren't entirely sure what they were shooting at. The alien invasion broke the press in the Kentucky New Era the following day. Most officers were pretty reluctant when it came to giving their opinion on whether they thought the Sutton family was telling the truth or if it was just some fabricated story. But one officer um, named Sergeant Frank Dudas, he believed the Sutton story. He told the press, you know, like, I think the whole story, this is quoted, I think the whole story is entirely plausible. He then began to talk about seeing three UFOs early one morning the summer prior Mm -hmm. um, while he was on duty. And he's quoted saying, I know I saw them. And if I saw them, well, the Kelly story certainly could be true. Chief of police, Russell Greenwell, also was one who kind of believed the Suttons, which is something that you don't really see with chief of police. You know, like the head honchos are like, that's made up. Um, He said that when they came in, one man had a heart rate of 140 beats per minute. Oh, my God. And besides that, they weren't the kind of people who would normally run to the police for help or the kind of people to fabricate a story like this. Because Russell Greenwell knew the Sutton family. He's been around them for as long as the Sutton family has lived there. And they just aren't they weren't the type of people that would make something up about an alien invasion in an alien war. And it's like, what, a hundred people, like you said, in this town, they know everybody. Right. You know? Exactly. The townspeople, of course, doubted the Sutton claims, especially the neighbors. 
Um, neighbors began spreading word that this entire story was just the result of a little too much Kentucky moonshine. Okay. Um, but police came forward and agreed that it didn't appear that anybody in the group had been drinking that night. Right. And there was no evidence when they got to the farmhouse of any type of alcohol out. Or and what alcohol makes you think that there's little What alcohol eyes? makes you hallucinate besides that one kind that's right. illegal well, that's got lsd in it right yeah i forget what it's called i can't think of the name of it either um but the mother that lived at the farmhouse she was very very upset that the townspeople are like they're just they were just drunk they made this whole story up um so she was terribly upset that her own town was turning on their family like yeah. this she was quoted saying the lies they told about us they said we were drinking we weren't but I know what I saw. The aliens looked like a five gallon. This is real Southern Kentucky here. The aliens looked like a five gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. Oh my god! It was a shimmering bright metal, like on my refrigerator. <sighs> can you just imagine? I'm a jumping Southern out of woman the window. Yes, saying that. I can. Eventually, though, like everyone does, when something like this happens to them. The Sutton family decided to make the best out of the situation, and they began offering an admission to their farmhouse for people to come tour. But after immediate threats from neighbors and getting the cold shoulder when they were in town and they left their farmhouse, the Sutton family picked up and left Kelly, Kentucky only 10 days later. Oh, my God. Why are they they being so rude to them? Yeah, they were like ready to... They were like gaslighting them. threatening them. Um, so before I go through the theories, Taylor, this is the drawing that was done by a member at the police station, and it was described by Lucky Sutton and Billy Taylor okay. about what they saw. I'm so excited. So let me zoom in. Uh, okay, first off, I'm I'm so upset that they had to leave their home. Of I know, and then and then I'll talk about it a little bit later. And then the town comes back, and they're like, "Let's make some money off this." <gasps> no, they did not. Yeah, so this is what they described. Um, it's Stitch. It looks like. Stitch. Yeah, it looks like a little gremlin. It's literally like it's a drawing of an alien that we haven't seen before. Yeah, like six two six. Right. Um, here. it has really big ball. If you want to describe it, yeah, it's got like a big circle head, like Stitch, and then like Stitch ears when they're up. Gremlin ears. Yeah, and then like the eyes are like fish eyes on either side mm-hmm. with like a very long mouth, and then like huge pecs. Yeah, huge like they're pecs. buff. These things are buff. Yeah, they. It looks like those gym guys the gym. that don't do squats though. Yeah, they, they skip like very day. tiny legs, skips like day, huge like almost like padded, no not padded, webbed fingers. It looks like uh-huh. they're gigantic. Yeah, it does look webbed. And then like huge biceps. Yeah, and they don't have a neck or anything. No, they don't have a neck. It's just straight on their shoulders. Um, I'll post this picture for yeah, you guys. That to is see it. gold. That is gold. So <laughs> that's what they saw. So a couple of theories about what this could have been. Um, and the number one theory was that they just saw great horned owls. They had mistaken the aliens for owls. Fifteen? Great horned owls have long wings, glowing eyes, and round heads. Um, they are nocturnal, and they aggressively defend their nest. Okay. According to American author and podcast host of Skeptoid, Brian Andrew Dunning, who usually focuses on science and skepticism. He believes that there's just simply too many similarities between the creatures described by the family and an aggressive pair of great horned owls that are local to the Kelly, Kentucky area. Okay. Um, Great horned owls also stand about two thirds of a meter tall, which would explain their, yeah, how they were little men. Um, French UFOologist Renaud Leslet, 
also argued that the explanation was just simply great horned owls. But I guess that would explain the creatures that they saw, but what would explain the sighting of the flying saucer? The flying Because that's not... Yeah, saucer, the carny, the carnival saucer. Yeah, the one with the rainbow. The flying carnival ride. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's it. Oh my gosh, you know the carnival ride that you would? It's like a spaceship, and you get in, and it, it's like zero gravity. Oh my and it god! It spins you around, and yes. you're like you're not buckled in or anything. And then you're like literally, oh my god, we're gonna fly off of this thing and die because no one has looked at this one roller coaster. You know, at my fair, years. at my local fair, it got um that ride was never allowed to come back because. A, a girl trigger warning literally got scalped on it her <gasps> was hair was that in your town yeah i heard about that on the freaking news yeah uh isn't that crazy that is t- so we weren't ever allowed to have it back yeah because it remember it caught her hair behind it with the wind sucking it and it ripped yeah yeah scalped her Ugh. um oh my god anyway so maybe that's a ride that billy taylor saw in the sky maybe. he's just like delusional he had too many carnivals in the last right. week he's just seeing the zero it's like me and you right now <laughs> flying around yeah we're like what's me word? convincing myself that i was gonna get murdered last night like i mean every yeah. day every yeah. day taylor she already had this plan that i would be the first one to find her since we're supposed to record this yeah. morning and i would be the one that would have to call her in missing yeah crazy it was crazy, crazy. conversation we'll leave out the details yeah. um <laughs> apparently joe nickel who was a member of the committee for skeptical injury whatever that is said that during this time there was a large sighting of meteors. There was a meteor shower going on. Okay. So that could explain that Billy Taylor saw a bright light streak across the sky and then like disappear beyond a tree line some distance from the house, mm-hmm. but it didn't land. It was just going across like above the atmosphere. Got it. You know? but why would it look so close if it's above the atmosphere? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of believe him. I think it's a cool story. I believe him. Like, (laughs) full-heartedly believe this man. Another UFOlogist, Jerome Clark, visited the family farm shortly after the incident became public. Here he found an odd, luminous patch of, like, goo along the fence line um, that lined up to the Sutton story of where they were shooting. Like, if he had shot one of these little gross stitches. If he he shot Stitch. um, What's it called? Three, two... Three two six, his stitch. Yeah, maybe it's like something. Whatever it is, three yeah. six two. That is such a good show. That is, they the really best. were like aliens, Disney Channel. Yeah, boom, boom. put there it in it your is. head. There and it is. And then he's got fifty eight billion cousins. Yeah, and it's ran by this galactic government. Yep. Maybe? Oh my gosh, should we be doing a conspiracy about Lilo and Stitch? I think so. <laughs> I absolutely believe we should. Anyway, so yeah, these goo patches that lit up they lined up with where he was shooting and he said that it was a green light source that glowed but at the time again it was 1950s it couldn't be determined about what it was but after further investigation and a couple more years down the road um the goo that he had found was consistent with that of foxfire okay and foxfire is this bioluminescent fungus that's found on decaying wood oh so the fence line could have been decaying i've never seen that before i haven't either and i feel like that's not like um what's the word i'm looking for to that land like Like, uh god i could have we can't think right now if it's not it's not original native native but well i'm saying that because i've grown up Literally a state below Kentucky my entire life, and I've right. never heard or seen anything a like Fox that. A Fox fire. Yes. Yeah, me neither. 
Um, the remaining survivors of this encounter refused to talk about the incident, except for Lucky Sutton's daughter, Ger- Geraldine Sutton. She wasn't alive at the time, um, but Geraldine says she believes her story full heartedly and she wants to make sure the story's family gets out straight. Right. Um, she says there are millions of stars and planets in the universe. I can't possibly believe that ours is the only planet with life, which is what we argue every right. single day of our exactly. life. Exactly. Um, and then 62 years later in 2010, the town of Kelly, Kentucky, were thinking of ways to make a little bit of money. Mm. So they decided to search through the town's archive for something in history that they could maybe market just to get a couple more people to their town. Right. Um, get a couple extra dollar bills. And according to the Washington Post, resident Joanne Smithy said that, well, it came down to two things. Train tracks, which they were notoriously known for, or the aliens. So what do you think they went with? Aliens. The aliens. So the town sold the story of farmers and aliens, an hour-long shootout so intense that the farmhouse and barns were left just showered with bullet holes. And they started something called the Little Green Men Festival. So while all the stories from the family and the original police report and the original news report, um, they only ever mentioned Little Silverman, but the story adapted over the years to basically fit pop culture. Yeah. Um, So it ended up changing from silver to green. Um, This Little Green Men Festival had brought in visitors from across the United States, stretching from Washington State to Florida State, um, Delaware down to Texas. They even had out-of-the-country visitors from Spain. Oh, my God. Um, they had a turnout of about 20,000 people. And they were only expecting about 1,500 because that's what would usually gather at the right. church parking lot for festivals. Oh. But they hosted and they... Um, they hosted it with the most citizens. And marketed the Little Green Men Festival, and 20,000 people showed up at Kelly, Kentucky. They're like, we don't even have enough rooms. Yeah. We don't even have enough hotels. Where are you guys staying Where, in your what car? What do we do? Like, yeah. And since then, the Little Green Men Festival in Kelly, Kentucky has been a hit, putting lots of extra dollar bills into the pocket of the townspeople, which, in my opinion, is so fucked up because the town... <laughs> Made this family literally leave. leave. They were threatening them, giving them the cold shoulder. And then years later down the road, they're like, oh, well, let's sell their story. We could use some money, too. Literally. Um, But that is my story of the aliens in Kentucky. Or maybe we should title this actually like Kentucky Goblin. This is like right above Nashville. We have to go to this. It's in Western Kentucky. yeah. Yeah. We have to go to this. Yeah. Okay. When is it? I don't know. We're going. Let's look it Any up. listeners want to come meet us at um, the, the Little Greenman Festival? Yeah, we'll just go drink it and party it up with our tinfoil hats on. And then we'll go there and we'll get justice for the Sutton family. I will um, go there and I'll blow shit up. I'll be like, listen. So they do it on the same day that the alien invasion happened, which is August 21st. And then they extend it. That Well, this year was a Friday. And then they extend it to Saturday, August 22nd. But that was this year, so I don't know what next year's is. Okay. Probably next August. Sounds like we're going. Sounds like we're going to Kelly, Kentucky. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll get into a little shootout. Yeah. And with, with the people, and we're like, give the Sutton family their name back. Yeah, we're protesting <laughs> around with signs. This is bullshit. Can you imagine? And people are like, who are these people? We would actually get a lot of press from them. So maybe we, we would. We'd go viral on TikTok. We could, um, we could make this viral on TikTok. Season two finale. This season two finale. It's me and you literally It's rioting. perfect with the timeline. It really is. 
Are we on to something? I, I think I'm Are putting that gonna, on the calendar. I'm putting that on the shared put Google calendar. Put it on the Google calendar and you guys will catch us in Kelly, Kentucky yeah, next we'll year, there. August 21st. God, that's so... I just like had a panic attack about how far away that is, but how close it is all in one. It'll be here like... It'll feel like tomorrow, yes. but it's really... I'm putting it on the shared away. Google calendar and we're going to get a notification about this in a year and we're going to be like, what the, what the hell are we what talking about? What the fuck is the Little Green Men Festival? And why are we going And to why it? do we have tickets already purchased? Why did we buy tickets a year ago? <laughs> we can't go. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh. that is hilarious. That's anyway, awesome. that's where we'll be. Um, I, I do kind of believe the family, but also like a whole shootout, like... What? Like aliens just flipping up into the trees, pulling on my hair. They're literally parkouring (laughs) around the freaking farm. How'd they get behind them when they had the guns enough to pull his mullet? Okay, so there was actually a picture in the newspaper from 1955 that showed it had um, Lucky Sutton. He was holding a gun. And oh it showed Billy Taylor walking out the door and Lucky's like looking up to the um, rooftop of not the roof of the house, but right. like the roof of like a porch. Right. And he's like, they were right there. They were jumping down on us and just like attacking them. Dude, this literally sounds like um, a movie. The, it is a movie. It's called oh. um, not Circles. It's called it's by M. Night Shyamalan. And it's got Joaquin Phoenix in it and Mel Gibson and that gr- little girl that's in every freaking movie. Oh, my God. Um, type in uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Do you have it? Joaquin? How do you spell that? It looks like jo- J-O-A-Q-U-I-N. Is that correct? Yeah. It's like Joaquin. Joaquin. Okay. Movies... It looks like it's got like a. Is it signs? It might be signs. Oh wait, wait, go up. Signs. Oh, signs. Yep, it's called signs, not circles. Yeah. Two thousand and two. Yeah. They okay. So the the basis of this movie, like just a quick synopsis. It's first off, it's an amazing movie. If you've never seen, I think it, I have watch seen it. it. I think you have seen it because I feel like I, I've talked about it. It's like one of my favorite movies ever, and it's basically they wake up, they live on this farm, and there are like crop circles all mm-hmm. in their things, and there's like aliens hiding in, and the aliens are like abducting people and attacking the world all over, and it all started with them. And coming to their house and they're up on the rooftop and the dad and Joaquin Phoenix, which is his brother, are running around outside shooting at their front porch, like on top and like running around. They're like, where'd it go? And the dad's a pastor and he's like, I'm going to beat your ass. And he's like, yeah, that's good because he never cusses because he used to be a pastor. And it's like, it's a good funny. I like the yeah. movie a lot. It's really uh, good. I'll have to watch it tonight. Just yeah, for you have to and watch it. It's really good. That's fine. But it literally sounds like that movie. Yeah, I bet it was probably based off yeah of i wonder if it was because wow or yeah. influenced it yeah all right you ready for ads yeah looking to start your spiritual journey or connect with a loved one that has passed psychic medium susan edwards with angel wings and healing things has the ability to kickstart your spiritual awakening susan has 30 years of experience and is a certified angelic medium with a passion for speaking to deceased loved ones while leading you on your spiritual journey being a holy fire karuna reiki master and working with sound therapy susan has the ability to teach you all of the skills you need to protect release and grow your energy i personally have been seeing susan's 
since December of 2019. Throughout our time working together, she has brought me peace with my loved ones, helped me connect to my guides, and cleansed myself and my home many of times. Want to connect with your past life? Susan is a certified consulting hypnotist that has the ability to do just that. Susan is located in Knoxville, Tennessee and offers in-person or over-the-phone readings. Because of the amazing lessons, readings, and healings that we have gotten, Taylor and I have decided to partner with Susan to bring you the same level of peace that she has delivered to us. To receive 10% off of your first reading with Susan, message Angel Wings and Healing Things on Facebook or text 704-562-3476 to set up your appointment telling her that we sent you. You might need it after listening to us. That is 10% off your first reading. Message Angel Wings and Healing Things on Facebook or text 704-562-3476. And tell her we sent you. (coughs) East Tennessee people, listen up. Do you have an engagement, graduation, or wedding coming up? Or do you just want to spice up your social media? Look no further because we have the photographer for you. Best Picks is a Knoxville-based photographer that is down to travel, hype you up, and show off your smile. Lexi is the photographer that brought us our season two photos and new logo. So we know she's amazing. Feel good about the money you spend on a photographer by choosing Best Picks. She is a voice for those who are not heard and works hard to give her clients the best sessions possible. With her confidence boosting morale and kind heart, you won't just get a session, but a friend for life. You can find Lexi on Instagram and Facebook at Best Picks or her website, bestpicks.com. To book your session today, email alexandra.best.king at gmail.com. You won't regret it. L-I-T-B, sister! Did you miss our lash ads? Well, guess what? We are back with even more. Afterlife Lash Extensions is a Knoxville-based lash studio that offers everything from classics to super volume. Not in Knoxville? Or would you rather have falsies? Afterlife Lashes has it all with their own strip lashes for sale on Instagram at Afterlife Lashes. All of their products are foam mink, silk material that is vegan, cruelty-free, and is sent to you in a reusable coffin packaging that is so cute and so on brand. With three years experience and a three-time certified lash artist, Afterlife Lashes is here to give you the best experience possible. Take a nap on their ultra soft lash beds with great music and even better vibes. Use our code creeps and crimes to get 40% off your entire order of falsies on afterlifelashes.com. To book an extension appointment, DM Afterlife Extensions on Instagram and mention Creeps and Crimes podcast to receive 40% off any service offered. Happy lashing. Hello, we're back. And what do you have for us? Uh, so before I, I dig into this, I did want I do want to tell you guys we didn't say what we were drinking. Oh yeah, yeah, but it's in the morning, so we're drinking um, Starbucks. Starbucks. We she has. What do you have? An iced caramel machete. Machete. I text her. I'm like, hey, what do you want from Starbucks? She's like, an iced caramel machete. Machete stirred. And I was like, one machete, please. I said, okay. <laughs> I knew exactly what she was talking about. Got it. And then I have their, okay, this one's my favorite. It's their Irish cream cold brew. Ooh. Oh my God. And it's only out in like the holidays. It's my favorite. I wish they had it year round. Also, if you are a chicken tortilla soup Chick-fil-A fan, it's back. Uh-uh. It's back. You're lying to me. Yeah, I saw the sign last night. I want to go right now. Yeah. Screw this recording. I haven't had it in so long. We're leaving. Okay. So today I'm covering the case of Zeb Quinn. 
Um, my sources are Wikipedia, Disappeared on Investigation Discovery, The Charlie Project, Spin Magazine, Fox Carolina, Citizen Times, WLOS, ABC 13 News, and Crime Junkie Podcast. Cool. So I Love heard, the name, Zeb. I know. Like, Isn't I might cool name, name my son Zeb. Isn't that really awesome? And I thought it was so funny that you did a close story to us because mine is in Asheville, North Carolina. Weird. Yeah. So, um... Put it on our tour list. Mine's a little... Yeah, throw that one on the tour list, uh, manager, wherever you are. So this one isn't fun and laughing and da-da-da-da-da, but it is a little shorter, and it's got some, like... We're going to talk through a lot of the investigation, so it's going to be fun in that way. So um, on Sunday, January 2nd, 2000, in Asheville, North Carolina, at 9 p.m., Denise Valkis... V... um, finished up her shift as a nurse at the local hospital and decided to page her son, 18-year-old Zeb Quinn, to see if he wanted to grab a late dinner with her before they both headed home. Zeb had just finished up his shift at the electronics department in Walmart at the same exact time. So they were like, okay, we're neither of them had dinner, so either way they're going to be hungry. Yeah. So when Denise uh, receives no response, she really didn't think much of it because she's like, I'll just see him at home. Maybe he's already on his way home and picked up something. I mean, it's a page. Yeah, too. I was going to say you said page. So it's not yeah. like a. Yeah. yeah, it's not like he can really respond, but like he could respond something, you know. Right. I, I don't really remember how pages work. Our older I, people are like, hello. Uh, I don't know. I, don't I remember know. my parents having pagers. See, I don't remember that at all. My mom always had a phone, I think. Oh, my God. My dad had a pager on his hip at work every day and the little like notepad thing that had it was like a electronic notepad with like a little stylus with it oh my god i thought that stuff was so cool and he had like the like first dell laptop that ever came out it took like 10 years to come together i can already imagine the sound right now in my head yes oh traumatizing to load the internet yes oh my god (laughs) and someone gets on the phone you're like no no get off the phone (laughs) so uh anyways so yeah uh so she waited she never got a page back or a call or anything so she's like whatever i'll just see him at home blah 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 so she gets home and she waits, and she waits, and he never comes home, which is very unlike Zeb. He was, like, very punctual, and, like, very, con- he, even though he was 18, he was very considerate of his mom, because right. he was like, you know, she's got to eat dinner, too. So, it was just weird, you know? So, he's always super tired at the end of his shifts, and him and his mom are super close, so it's just not like him. So, when 10.30 p.m. comes around, Zeb was, at this point, an hour and a half late without calling or paging his mother, at, like, any communication at all. So, Denise calls the Walmart to see if maybe he's still there and took on a later shift and that's why he's not getting back to her or what. And they're like, no, he clocked out at 9 p.m. and left. Like, we saw him leave. And she's like, okay, that's weird. So, she pages him a few more times and she waits up all night. But Zeb never returns home. So on January 3rd, she and her daughter, Zeb's sister, are driving and calling around the town for like any sign of Zeb. um, And they decide to go to the police station and just officially report him missing. But there was nothing, nothing in the town. No one knew where he was. It was almost as if they just like disappeared into thin air. Like he was just gone. His car was nowhere to be seen. It was insane. He clocked out, though, clocked out and then just disappeared. So the police actually took this seriously because I guess the mom was like convincing enough. Like, we don't have to wait 48 hours. Like, yeah. this is legit. Um, 
But still, nothing came of it. So Denise had yet another sleepless night, and there were just simply no leads until January 4th when the Walmart that Zeb worked at receives a call in their electronics department where Zeb worked. And it was Zeb. He said that he was sick and would not be coming in for his shift later that day. The manager is in shock because Zeb had worked for her for two years. And she was like, I knew he was missing and I knew Zeb's voice. And this was not Zeb. Oh, my God. So the manager asked, like, okay, well, what department do you work in? Like, plays dumb. Okay, what department do you work in and what time are you scheduled to come in? And the man responds, electronics. She says, okay, and what time? But there is no response and the man hangs up the phone. Quickly, she calls back the line using, I think it's star 69. Isn't that what calls back? Or is it star 68 that calls back? Because star 67 blocks. Um, it, I, it was an older. Yeah, yeah I don't know. One it, of the two. Anyway, to call back the line. She calls back the line and it wasn't a personal phone. It was the phone number for a Volvo plant that was just down the road. And this clue ends up being the clue that finally put some puzzle pieces together in this case. And this is why it's so important for managers to create a relationship with yes, their employees. Absolutely. So even more so when I'm about to tell you this. So it just so happens that Zeb and this coworker had left together that night. And that coworker actually worked part-time at the oh, Volvo wow. plant. So she's like, well, hold on. They left together on the night of January 2nd. So What's his name again? Oh, right. It's Robert Jason Owens. Okay. I'm going to be calling him Owens throughout this entire story. So when I say Owens, please like understand it's him because some sources said that he went by Robert and some said that he went by Jason. I'm just going by his last name. Yeah. So immediately the manager calls Denise and tells her everything she knows. And Denise hangs up and calls the police with this gigantic tip that would hopefully lead them to her son. Police take this lead very seriously and go find Owens and bring him back for questioning. Basically, he tells Zeb, um, tells police that Zeb talked that entire shift about how he'd been looking at new cars to buy and he really, really wanted to buy a new car, specifically a certain car, and I couldn't figure out what car it was. Assuming a Volvo? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. But Owens was like, Oh, look, I know this car lot that's on the outside of town, and I know like my friends own it, and they have a few of those cars there so why don't we drive after work and go look at them and then come back so that way we don't have to be heckled by the salespeople and they're like okay so after that shift he and zeb drove separately to a gas station grabbed a soda and then they headed out and this story was confirmed by the gas station surveillance footage at 9 15 p.m we see the two cars pull into the parking lot and they each separately get all their own cars go in buy a drink each and then both go get back into their separate cars after leaving the gas station, Owen says that Zeb, who was driving behind him, following him to this lot, began flashing his lights frantically and signaling for Owens to get over. So both cars pull over on the side of the road and Zeb runs up to Owen's car and he says, hey, do you have a car phone or a cell phone? And Zeb's like, no, um, but there's a like pay phone just up the road at the next exit. And he's like, okay, I've got to go. I got to call someone immediately. Someone just paged me and like drives off. And he says, I'll be back. So drives off. Owen says that um, he was gone. 
Zeb was gone for like five to 10 minutes and then he returns. When he gets back to the car, he was like frantically pulling the car up behind him, jumps out, runs up to the car and he's like, look, I have to go. I'm sorry. We can do this another day. I have to leave right now. Zeb runs back to his car, jumps in the driver's seat and then accidentally rear ends Owens. And he like rolls on his window. He's like, man, I'm so sorry, but can we deal with this tomorrow? I've got to go. And he's like, yeah, man, go ahead. Do whatever. So he jumps in he gets back in the car and he speeds off he's gone so at this point this is really the last sighting that we have of zeb ever like this is it this is the final one frick so something about this elaborate story is just not sitting right with police it was just like too it was like over explained you know what i mean and they're like, well, let's dig into Robert Jason Owens. But you, you know what? Overexplain, like that would be you. Yeah, it if would you be were me. Question in a police story, you would tell every single detail. Yes, and they'd be like, she's, she's lying. a murderer. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, I just really no. Like when everything. I tell stories, I literally say every single detail. I'll yeah. tell you what color the paint on the wall. I'll tell was. you what I was wearing the entire. T- <laughs> I'll tell you down to my socks I was wearing. One was black and one was white. Like that was it. <laughs> and but literally, you're right. I would be. They would flag me for that. Yeah. So they're like, let's dig into this guy. And the first thing that they do is go to the Volvo plant where Owens worked. And they had a conversation with Owens' manager. And this is when they find out that he had actually called in late for his morning shift on January 3rd, a.k.a. the day after Zeb went missing. So his reasoning for coming in late is what piqued their interest. So basically... Owen's reasoning for calling in late was that he got in a car accident and he tells his managers that he was leaving breakfast at the Waffle House that morning and he and another car just got into such a bad accident that Owens was taken to the hospital and treated for a head injury and broken ribs. So investigators do a little drive by of Owen's car and there's like barely a scratch on this thing, like nothing. On top of that, there was no accident report filed by either party that he gotten this so-called accident with. But he had been checked into the hospital for those exact injuries. That is all weird enough, but investigators are really suspicious about that page that Zeb got that made him so frantic. So we know at the time that Zeb would have been getting pages from his mother who was frantically trying to reach him at this point, but she never got a call. So it wasn't her that he went to the payphone to call. All of Zeb's friends were like, nope, we never paged him. We never got a call from him. And there was literally like no one who Zeb would have needed to frantically call other than his mother that we know of. Other than the woman he was in love with. Oh, shit. I knew it was going to be a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Misty. The two had met at a Christmas party just weeks before and Zeb was in love with her. But she had a baby and a baby daddy boyfriend. Uh Uh-oh. But what Denise knew, his mother, from talking to Zeb about Misty is that Misty's boyfriend was extremely abusive, controlling and crazy. So she thought of Zeb as more of a friend, Misty. And that is how the two got away with talking to each other all day, every day on the phone, especially on New Year's Eve when they talked the entire night staying at home and not going out to do anything like they talked the entire night with her boyfriend being at home oh my god but after new year's eve zeb didn't hear from misty again don't forget this is only january 2nd when he goes missing it was radio silent and zeb was kind of losing it 
He was worried that her abusive boyfriend had done something to her or caught her talking to him and hurt her for it. So on the morning that Zeb went missing, January 2nd, he called Missy's house. And it was the house she shared with her boyfriend. But he forgot to star 69 his call to block the number. After a few rings, he realized what he had done. And it was detrimental because now the boyfriend knew exactly who he was. What police are thinking is that maybe he got this page from Misty and she was like getting in beat or needed help. And that's why he left to like go protect her or be with her. So they tracked down Misty and asked her some questions. Basically, she says that her and Zeb were just friends and that's all she thought of him. Point blank period. And if he thought it was anything more than that's on him because she didn't. She never made that call. She even had an alibi because that entire night she was at her parents' house with her baby and baby daddy boyfriend. But there was one more person there. A woman named Ina Eustick, who's Miss, who Missy's mother, they were like really good friends, but they were planning on opening a restaurant together. So they were like sitting there going through business plans. So who is Ina and why is she important to this story and why am I even talking about her? Well, Ina is Zeb's paternal aunt. What? The side of his family that he rarely, rarely saw or even spoke to. And this is because Zeb's parents had split up when he was like very, very young and it was like not a good split up. So that's why they don't really talk that much. And at this point, some people could just really write this off as just some huge coincidence, but investigators knew better. So they pull Zeb's phone and pager records. And what they find is Robert Jason Owen's story was correct. Around the time that Jeb had him pull the car over to make a call, Zeb had received a page from his Aunt Ina's house. Well, Ina says that that's absolutely impossible because she wasn't home at that time. She was at Misty's house and her story was corroborated by everybody in that house. But then in the second questioning, she does have one more thing to add. That night... When she returned home from Misty's parents' house, her home had been broken into. Nothing was taken, but pictures had been moved around and like taken off the walls. So who broke in and whoever that person is obviously had to have made this call. Just days later, on January 6th, Denise gets a call from her co-worker who worked a few floors away from her at the hospital. And this co-worker was actually a former classmate of Zeb's and she knew what his car looked like. And that is why when she was pulling into work that day, she recognized it, parked outside of a barbecue restaurant right across the street from the hospital. Immediately, Denise calls the police and they she runs across the street to go look at this and the police come with her. And it was Zeb's car, but the car was on and running. What? And that's not even the weirdest part. On the back windshield, there was a picture of lips and an explanation mark drawn with pink lipstick. And inside the car was a three-month-old puppy. (laughs) So after getting this like random puppy out and searching the car, police discovered a few things. Number one, they discovered a jacket that was not Zeb's. Then they realized that the seat had been moved really close to the wheel, which is not where Zeb kept it. And they found like several empty drink bottles and a hotel key card. So the next day, a couple came forward saying that they actually saw that car driving around downtown that day with a woman driving it. They even helped police create a composite sketch of the woman they saw. And the composite sketch looks just like Misty Taylor. 
Oh, shit. So just a little fun fact. They actually, um, that dog that they found was adopted by one of the police officers that responded to the call. (laughs) Yeah. um, And then, but I do want to like talk a little bit about the significance of the car being parked right there. Okay. So some people say like maybe the dog being in the car is was a way for them to like draw attention to the car because they wanted it to be found and they parked it across the street from the hospital where Denise Denise's mother and Zeb's sister all worked at so it's like they he wanted who well he she whoever whoever wanted it it to be seen by them oh that poor puppy it wasn't hot out right no it was January it was January uh and the car was running so yeah. It's fine. But how long, how many days did it run? It, I, I guess it had just been put there. Oh. Yeah. See, that's what the weirdest part of it is. So they take this car and they really can't get anything from it. Like there's just, it's just kind of weird. Like they got some like hairs and stuff like that, but nothing that was like comparable for like DNA purposes, I guess yeah, is what I'm no trying to say. fingerprints or anything. Right. And um, basically... The only thing that they can get from this is this hotel key card. So they're like, okay, let's try to figure out where the hotel key card came from and the dog. So they call like all the breeders in the area for this specific type of lab. No one sold a puppy. That was not anybody else's puppy. It was unadopted from any of the shelters. Like it was, it's like this dog just like appeared out of thin air. And then the key card, they drove around to every hotel and like the surrounding areas. And that key card did not belong to any hotel. What? Yeah. How weird is that? So there are literally no leads that come from this other than just a car was sitting there and wanted to be seen. Well, later they collected some DNA from Misty in 2009 and they tried to get it from Robert Jason Owens. However, his lawyers would not allow it because he was in jail for another crime at the time, which was him driving drunk and then getting put in a high speed chase with police and then a shootout with police. Oh, my God. So he's in jail. So this case remains cold. It literally, like, they couldn't get anything else from this until March 15th of 2015. 15 years after Zeb went missing, there was a break in a case, but it really wasn't Zeb's case. So what happened is the Food Network star contestant Chrissy Schuen and her husband JT Codd were reported missing by Christie's I'm not say Christine. I meant to say Christy. Christy's father after they didn't show up to his house in Mississippi for a planned visit. She was like five months pregnant at the time. And they were like kind of doing one last trip to go visit family before, you know, nesting and having the baby. Yeah. Well, just hours after Christy's father reported them missing, Asheville police got a call about a man doing something weird that just wasn't sitting right with this caller. The caller explained that he watched as this man used a private dumpster to unload some extremely large and heavy trash bags. Police are like, all right, let's go to that dumpster. So they head to the dumpster and they find that in these bags were Christy and JT's belongings. And they knew the man that had dumped these items. It was. No. Robert Jason Owens. I, did you think I was going to say Zeb? I did. I th- literally the first time I re- listened to this, like year, I guess a year and a half ago, I was like convinced it was going to be Zeb. But oh, yeah, oh shit. Uh, so on March seventeenth, two thousand and fifteen, Owens was arrested for the murders of Christy, JT, and their unborn baby girl. He pleaded guilty under the circumstances that he would not get the death penalty, and once he was awarded that plea deal, 
he confessed to the entire crime. He said that he had accidentally killed them on their own property when he had drunkenly wrecked into their front yard. The couple came out to help him push his truck out of the like ditch that was there and push it back on the road. And he said when they got it back onto the road, he accidentally hit the gas and ran them both over. But why is the five-month pregnant for the first time pushing out a car from yeah, the Yeah, no. Why isn't she driving it? Yeah. Why aren't the men pushing it? Or why isn't it? she in the house and they call for more help? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> like, what's going on? So in a panic, he said that he put their bodies in his car, dismembered their bodies. In a panic? Like, that's... No, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's not what you do in a panic. Yeah. You don't cut okay. up bodies. Right. And then he burnt their remains in a wood-burning stove. In a panic. In a panic. In a panic. Um, so police are like, okay, psycho. And they go to this wood-burning stove, and they find human bone fragments. So, oh, shit. And it belonged to the, fa- the couple. Well, out of nowhere, on July 10th, 2017, a grand jury indicted Robert Jason Owens with first-degree murder of the murder of, of the death of Zeb Quinn. Out of nowhere. And the reasons have never been released to the public because the trial hasn't taken place yet because of COVID-19 pushing trials back. No. But what what could have made them indict him? Like, there has to be something. So I did a little digging. And there was this interview with Robert and some lawyers and, well, Robert Jason Owens, and he basically says that a family member killed Zeb and called Owens to get rid of the body. And after this interview, police went and did a search of that this wooded area in Asheville, and they said that they recovered, like, a leather fragments of like a leather jacket that Zeb was wearing that night and some human remains, but they have never connected it, it to Zeb. Oh shit. So, so yeah. He, so maybe he did. And then he like fabricated that entire story and broke. He knew about the aunt. He knew about Misty. Right. Like I was wondering, maybe he, is he, he the boyfriend? Broke. Oh, or maybe was he like a friend of the boyfriend? Yeah, and they work together or something. Because some people said that, like, no, him and Zed were actually not really that close. Like, it was weird that... I just only care about the puppy right now. Where'd it come from? No one knows. No one has ever figured out where the hell this puppy came from, ever. So, basically, I think that this was a big thing put on by Missy's family. I think so, too. Yeah. And they had to have known Owens. And Ina... Like used her house to make the call, and they they got they all made sure they were together, right? And then uh, Owens was the person that like was to lead him out, and maybe he like was like, "Here, let me help you. Let me go follow you. What's going on?" And then get there, and they all attack him, or yeah. maybe the boyfriend left the house and went to Ina's house and attacked him there. Oh, it's sickening. But okay, so after he had gotten arrested and was like already in jail, okay, he. His trailer had yet to be searched by police yet. And before they could, someone burned it down. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Like it was arson. Oh, shit. Yeah. Destroying all evidence. Oh, I bet he's a serial killer then. Yeah. because And he has like an accomplice. Mm-hmm. Because. I mean, like, I ha- doubt those two bodies. And if he did do Zeb's, well, I he doubt did they do were Zeb's. his first. Like, there's no way that Zeb was his first murder. Yeah. There's no shot. 
So that's yeah, that's crazy. That's the case. That's I loved I it. It was Actually, a good case. Yeah, it, that's it's a, a good, good like mystery case the whole time. Like because we still don't know anything. It still hasn't been. They haven't put it on trial. And I, I so was to come back to it. Yeah, whenever they do another trial, and and I because I, I put like the keyword in my Google, so I'll get alerts for it now. But whenever they do, like we'll do an update episode for it because oh my god, yeah, it, I I'm dying to know why they indicted him. Like, yeah, like they they have something. They have more more evidence than just like. A leather jacket. And, like, his so-called confession. Yeah. Like, there's more. But why is, like, his family, Ina, and, like, Misty, and all those people still free? Yeah. And how are they involved? I right. need to know everything. Yeah, I need to know Ah, that's things. crazy. I yep. loved it. But that's the case. I loved it. All right, guys. That's a good one. Yep. We, uh, it's only an hour, but we did a 15-minute intro, so technically... Forty-five minutes. Yep. So that's all we got for you guys today. Um, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next week on episode sixty-four. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Bye, bye.